What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D. And with me tonight is my co-host with the most, Mr. Miggity Miggity Matt. That's me. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language, Ugh. but that's not really our style. So we'll kind of try to keep this, what do you say? Ah, oh, PG-13? Yeah, some artful nudity and uh, mild language. Yeah, just one F-bomb. Maybe one F-bomb. We'll watch out for that this time. Uh, also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movies ruined, pause the episode. Watch the movies and come back later. With that said, we'll be continuing our After Hours podcast about Pantheon Rejects, movies that didn't make the Pantheon cut. Tonight, we embrace the theme of mortality mm -hmm. and revisit Amor and The Wrestler. Before we get to any of that, let's chat just a little bit about Pantheon, because these are Pantheon Rejects. rejects. Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? Pantheon uh, is, in, in the AV terms, is the movies that are essential viewing. These are movies that hit on all cylinders. They, are, they have a good screenplay. They have an excellent director. They have cinematography is top-notch. Acting. Music. Special acting, effects. Casting. Yeah, special effects. It. All the things are exactly what should be included in a movie to make it essential viewing. They are the best of their genre. Also, uh, also, if it is, yeah, of a type, a genre, a that genre. it's the best of that. Yes. Uh, so, so what, whichever type that might be, that it would be a best version of a that. A best version. A uh, best example. Um, so, uh, Pantheon works, in, in movies get into Pantheon through... Uh, normally through the council system. Someone, uh, someone, one of the nine council members would nominate a movie, and then all the council members would write up their opinion, yay or nay, for Pantheon. There's a Facebook poll. Everyone who's in the open Facebook group gets to vote. If the vote is yes, that counts as one vote towards Pantheon. And there's a guest voter brought in with the nominator, the uh, council nomination. For a sum total of... 11, and you have to get seven. Seven votes, two-thirds majority. And then in addition to that, there's also uh, these marathons that happen and yep. these verses that happen. Yep. Uh, and if if that table at the very end agrees that the movie should get kicked up, it can go ahead and get kicked up. And then as a quick vote, direct vote, yay, nay, uh, from the council members. Uh, uh, and we'll find out. We heard a little rumor about a new Pantheon member. We don't want to reveal who it is, what it is, but... That, that just actually happened, that there was yeah. a versus, and the winner got kicked up, and it was a, a clean sweep. Sure. So apparently they can get in Pantheon that way as well. So in our inaugural Pantheon Rejects episodes, where we're looking at the movies that didn't make the cut, we revisited, uh, the first off, we revisited The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. The Silence of the Lambs. And The Silence. Not to be confused with Breakfast Club or Silence of yeah. the Lambs. And we uh, we split on those, uh, you and I did. Yeah. And then we talked uh, last time about Prince of The Prince of Egypt and, we and both The agreed. Princess Bride. And we both agreed that Prince of Egypt... Uh, was a no. Was a no, and that would, the the vote was correct, but that we thought that the Princess Bride should have been a yes. Yeah, and as, and with the uh, with the Prince of Egypt, we thought there was some really excellent things in there. Like it, it should have been close. Yeah, yeah, it should it should have been a close vote. 
Um, and that was rightly so. Uh, and the visuals are spectacular. And if you they haven't are. seen it, because it's been a long time since it came out. Go back. Go if back you watched watch it, it once with your kids, because it was a, quote, kids movie, yeah. animated movie, go back and watch it again with some adult eyes, even without kids, and you'll see uh, what we're talking about there. Yeah, and it kind of, uh, it, it was a... Uh, a counterpoint to the Disney world coming out of DreamWorks Theater, and they did, they nailed it. Then the songs were a, a lot of fun, um, mm-hmm. and Hans Zimmer score, excellent. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, and tonight we're looking at Amor and The Wrestler. And a lot of people haven't seen one or both of these movies. If you haven't, you really should, at, uh, at least one of them. I'm just kidding. You really should see them because you need to experience uh, what's going on. But that doesn't necessarily mean. That they're Pantheon. We'll talk about that. Yeah. They were rejected for Pantheon. So, uh, to start with just a little bit of foreplay tonight. I like the foreplay. I know you do. This is my favorite start art. With yeah, I know. Uh, so, this is our New Year's podcast. Yes. Because we're closing in on New Year's. We are. And um, so, it's a New Year's is a time of self-reflection. We thought that that fit together with this kind of theme of mortality in the movies. Sure. And uh, it embraces the passing of time as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for yourself, uh, just thinking about New Year's and thinking about life passing, what uh, think about your own bucket list. What's yeah. something? Uh, what's something that you would consider a, a silly thing and a sentimental thing that you would put on your bucket list? Well, silly thing. Uh, maybe it's silly. I think it's silly. My wife certainly thinks it's silly. But I want us to Tana. I want us to skydive. To okay. go skydive. Uh, I know that I will be uh, a skirt because we're jumping out of a plane. But I'll do it. I know that she will be probably uh, nearly unconscious with fear. Um, and but I also know my wife well enough to know that if she says she's going to do it, so far by the way, it's a no. If she agrees to do it, she will absolutely do it regardless of how it makes her feel. I know this because this woman who cannot even stand a three-step stepladder has bungee jumped uh, headfirst. I wasn't there, so it's not like I was her security yeah, yeah, yeah. She just did it. And if she could do that, she's also, by the way, had four children, which all four pregnancies... She was afraid of delivery all four times, and she just went through it like a champ. You've been married for how long? Uh, about a million years. No, I mean thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and and we've been we've been together since uh, the early eighties. And uh, twenty-two for twenty-two for me. Yeah. Right. And I, I only mention that in the context of the one of the movies that we're going to mention. Right. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But my point is, uh, if she says she's going to do it, she'll do it, and she'll be amazing. Here's the thing, though, a sentimental thing for my bucket list. Uh, is um, I want to find out more about uh, more about my family, and I've learned a lot about my family through like ancestry and research and stuff. But I want to find out more, and so a sentimental thing that I would like to do is uh, interview my living relatives, even if they're younger than me, because they may have stories and information from previous generations, and I want to put that together somehow. It might be a three ring binder or several three ring binders that no one ever looks at again, but it's just something I want to do. So uh, for me, a silly thing that I would like, you know, like a frivolous thing, is that uh, I would like, uh, so I've got this murder mystery game that I, I wrote yes. with your help, yes, uh, yes, yes, and yes. I'd love to see it done again, yeah. uh, and see another group of people enjoy it, because be it was just a lot of fun, we did it the first time, and I'd love to see it again. Uh, a sentimental thing for me, uh, very much in the same vein as what you were talking about, I've got uh, part of my family tree which is the, the the one part of my family tree that I don't know much about is from South Africa. And if I could learn more about that or maybe even travel out there at some point 
to get to know that. And then I guess uh, also in terms of sentimental is that just to watch my family grow. Sure. And my kids grow and, you know, yeah. all of that. Yeah, uh, I'm a few years ahead of you on the family <clears throat> growing part. Uh, yeah. I have grandkids, you don't. Uh, I have married kids, you don't. But you're not that far away from there. I and mean, you and I aren't that far in age in any yeah. case. So, I mean, I've been married 32 years, but I'm only 16. And you're yeah, a, few that's years, right. a few years younger than I. So, uh, yeah. What was an arranged marriage? All right. Well, that leads us into chatting about the movies that we're looking at tonight. Yeah. The first one, we're going to start with... Amour. Alrighty then. Uh, and Amour is a 2012 film that is a French foreign language film, and uh, <laughs> and it and it won best uh, it won uh, best foreign language film and a host of other awards. This was nominated for Pantheon by um, uh, uh, Brad. Brad. I think yeah. Brad. One of the lesser members of the council. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's foisting all kinds of movies. On people, making them watch yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But this was nominated by Brad. He had a very specific, distinct reason for nominating yeah. it. He was very clear in his nomination of why he wanted to nominate it. We'll, we'll talk about we'll, that later. We'll get to that. So let me walk down through the, the movie. So this is a PG-13 movie. Uh, some mild language and some artful nudity, just yeah. like our podcast. But when we say artful and nudity, we're not talking about a sex scene. We're talking about a scene that's like a day... If, if you had like a day in the life of a person... And you happen to, yeah. out of the corner of your eye, we'll get to that. Catch them we'll, we'll we'll, in the bathroom. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll chat about that. Yeah, uh, it is a drama, romance, romantic tragedy, perhaps uh, uh, directed by sure. Michael Haneke, and it's all in French with subtitles. Yeah. through most of it, uh, produced by uh, a whole group of uh, individuals, Margaret. Many, I don't speak French or these. Really. This these four people, five people, are all. Big time producers yeah. in the French movie industry. Margaret, Stefan, Veit, and Michael. Yes. Uh, or uh, Michael or whatever. Um, you've Michel. got cinema, uh, Michel. Uh, cinematography, Darius Kanji. Uh, edited by Monica Willie, Nadine Muse. In theaters, September 2012 in Germany, October in 2012 in France, and then May uh, of that year in... Tw no, 2012. Oh, okay. It came out to Cannes earlier. Oh, that's and right. And then Cannes later, first, then later Germany and France. Later uh, had a U.S. release. Sure. Uh, Runtime about a uh, 127 minutes, two Ooh. hours and seven minutes. 127 short little minutes. From the uh, film studio Les Films de Lusange. Yeah, they uh, also have those uh, Ricola things, those yeah. lozenge things. Ricola. Um, so, uh, uh, Henneke uh, is an Austrian filmmaker, I do believe, okay. and uh, that he, he has a number of art house films that are uh, widely revered. Funny Games, Code Unknown, The Piano Teacher, Cash, uh, The White Ribbon. Mm -hmm. um, and this movie starred two French stars that were kind of brought out of retirement. Um, so they're people like who've been gone for a while and then, uh, they were brought back just for this movie. So you, if you're you thinking watch like, the movie, you know, these are actually trained actors with a lot of experience. Yeah, they know exactly yeah. what so, they're doing. So, so let's say, uh, let's say we brought back, um, uh, Sean Connery and Mickey and, Rourke. Uh, no, I was going for oh, like wait, a love sorry. story. Oh, I was no, too. hey, no, I, I was like too. That. I like that. No, yeah, no. If Sean Connery and Mickey Rourke yeah. were brought back out of retirement. Oh, that would get awards for a love story. Yeah. It would yeah. win every award. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So like, we'll go with those two. Brokeback Mountain, but not too steep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brokeback like plains. Yeah, Brokeback Flatlands. 
Um, can you read me off the synopsis here? Yeah, sure. Uh, retired retired music teachers, because they are both uh, retired music teachers, uh, Georges and Anne, have spent their lives devoted to their careers and each other. Their relationship faces its greatest challenge when Anne suffers a debilitating stroke. Though George himself suffers from the aches and infirmities of old age, uh, by the way, uh, well, let me finish, then I'll make a note. Of old age, he bravely ignores his own discomfort to take care of his wife and is determined to keep his promise to her that she never go back to the hospital. If nothing else in this movie impressed the holy heck out of me, his ability to go from the beginning of the movie to the end and gradually uh, adopt the movements and posture and re reactions to pains he probably wasn't really feeling or maybe not at the moment uh, more and more and more by the end while her character aged very fast yeah. the strokes will do that uh, his his character aged before our eyes a decade yeah the uh, so a fun fact of the movie is that he was actually sort of in aches and pains during the movie. He was not acting no, being in pain. But he was acting... Yeah. He, he allowed that to adopt slowly through his character. Yeah. He didn't start in the very so beginning he pulled back. shuffling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the end, he was shuffling. For example, there were a lot of things he did. But I thought that was interesting. And I, I suffer from some knee issues. And so I could see when he would stand up, the way he would react. I knew exactly what he was portraying. And it, it was... That, nothing else in the entire movie. That right there, I went, okay... You kudos, man. In terms of critical response, this has a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. This movie was loved pretty well by critics. Metacritic 94, which is like yeah. as high as we've seen a Metacritic number yep. on any of the movies that we've looked yep. at. Yep. With 42 positive and 2 mixed. No negative. 93% fresh on uh, 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 Rotten Tomato with an 82% audience score, which is not surprising that the audience score is lower. 10 Ten percent lower than yeah. than critics because of the kind of movie it is. Yes, yeah. uh, being an art house movie, being a French foreign language film, it's like this is not going to be something that hits uh, that hits on all cylinders for for a general like uh, uh, Marvel fan or something like that. Yeah, and then for Google we have eighty three percent that liked it. Uh, again, yeah. similar to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, yeah. not what, what you would consider a fan a film, fan but film. definitely yeah. a critic film, but still respectable. Yep, eighty three percent is higher than some of the other things. I that see we've why at. critics liked it. We'll talk yeah. more about it. I get it. I do get it. All right. Um, so let's let's go through a couple of the reviews that we've got here. Roger right. Ebert. Uh, I'll start with this one. Then sure. we can go over to you. Um, Roger Ebert. Four out of four stars. He says, old age isn't for sissies, he and neither know. is this film. He would know. Uh, so, uh, Trintingent and Riva courageously take on these roles, which strip aside all glamour of their long careers. Their beauty is faded, but it glows from within. It accepts unflinchingly the realities of age and failure and the disintegration of the ego. And that was, unflinching was a word that I, that I was thinking about while watching this film, mm -hmm. that it was an unflinching look. Yeah. Uh, yes, and to watch a more invites us another audience to accept them too. Why would we want to see such a film, however brilliantly it has been made? I think it's because a film like a more has a lesson for us that only the cinema can teach. The cinema, with its heedless ability to leap across time and transcend lives and dramatize what it means to be a member of humankind's eternal audience. Over to Rotten Tomato Reviews. Sure. So uh, Amy uh, Taubin from 
Film Comment Magazine. Yeah, these and these are all the critic reviews. These are the critic yeah. reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. She calls it, she determines it's fresh. What makes it more, not only bearable, but cathartic, is the beauty of the filmmaking and the delicacy of the performances. Uh, Al Alexander from the Patriot Ledger gives it a fresh, but it was a B minus of a score for him. So it's not a full A, but it was for him it was a B minus. It says it leaves you spent, depressed, depressed, and intensely afraid of the future. In some ways, that's admirable, but like our fallible bodies, it gets old fast. So that was his take, and I can see that. Richard Brody from the New Yorker says uh, it's rotten, actually. If only some of the uninhibitedly energetic thought and insight of these actors had found its way into Haneke's movie. Oh, sorry. If only some of the yeah. uninhibitedly energetic thought and insight of these actors had found its way into the movie. He calls it sterile. Yeah, that, and sterile was a word he used in the title for yeah. his, uh, his review. Uh, James Berendelli from Real Views gave it a fresh. Many viewers will find echoes of their grandparents, parents, or even themselves in these characters, and that came up in Brad's uh, Brad's nomination. Mm-hmm. Gary Thompson from the Philadelphia Daily News refers to it as rotten. I'm getting all the rotten reviews. That's yeah. great. All uh, is presented in Hineke's exacting style, one that I find controlling and a bit, well... Smothering, yeah. Mm. Um, and as far as rotten goes, I had to I had to scrub for these rotten ones. Yeah, most of them many. were positive. positive. The, like these were the couple rotten ones that I, I found. I've had that um, kind of search before, where you're like, "Well, I gotta find somebody who doesn't like yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. Uh, Metacritic uh, has another review from David Hughes from Empire that they list this as a hundred. Uh, Haneke's Palm Door winner and Palm Door is the uh, the the one of the highest awards at the Cannes Film Festival. Right. Is uncomfortable, uncompromising, unflinching, and utterly unmissable old age may not be a reality you wish to confront, but you must see this film. And there's more with that that's the basic part of the review. So how about from the Hoi Polloi? Uh, overall eight and a half out of ten, an average anyway, with 123 positive, nine mixed, and only five Negative reviews. Yeah, which is uh, surprising given that it is the hoi polloi of reviewers. Yeah, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump in here to one of the the uh, following our tradition. One of the 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 negative reviews actually. Yeah. From Nazgulero, who gave it a zero, citing "Sweet Jesus." The only one that deserves an award is the audience, and being able to sit through this without ellipses, falling triple ellipses. A C. Why don't you read the top one then, too? Sure, sure, sure. Nice. Nathan Roberts. Gave it a 10. That's out of 10. Uh, ultimatic cinematic, cinematic, perf- ultimate cinematic perfection. Ultimatic I cinematic love this perfection. One. Uh, exclamation point. This film is the symbol of life and love. Not only is it beautifully crafted, but the acting is impeccable, highlighting the honest and true nature of the screenplay. In my eyes, film can get no better. Oh, I feel refreshed. I read a good one. So, and then uh, another kind of like middle of the road, more B minus range, a seven out of ten. Amore is a very dry film, seemingly as elegant and lifeless as the museum like apartment in which the elderly couple lives. Yeah. These two characters do have names, but for all intents and purposes, they are just old person one and old person two. Do you remember th- remember their names? I do not. I refer to them yeah. as him and her. 
As the camera gazes, bounces off their impeccably shot faces and rests in sh on shelves full of old dusty books, it becomes apparent that this isn't really a drama, but more of an essay. Instead of a punch in the gut, it delivers a long, stern lecture. You should absolutely see it if you haven't already, but that's the central problem with the more. It's the kind of film you watch because it's important, not because it's good. I just have a quick question. For yeah. You, that you consider 7 of 10 a B minus when that's clearly a C minus. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, 70%. You're such an easy grader. I am an easy grader. Oh my gosh. And then, uh, wait, and from Spengel. What wait, do we get from Spengel? Hold, hold on. Hold, wait. All right. Oh, hold on. Hold I'm on. Not, hold on. Spengel. No Spangle. No Spangle. No Spangle. Get on this, Spangle. You son of a gun. You son of a gun. Watch the movie, you Spangle. Need to watch you this. have let us down here. Spangle, this is the first time we have found uh, a review a without you that on That you it. haven't reviewed. Man, what the heck? I tell you. You know why. what I think? He may have fallen asleep. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. All right. Moving on. All right. Receipts on a more. It's a 2012 film. Uh, Production budget of 8.9 million, box office. No, so, and because it's a foreign language film, we're going to treat this a little differently. Box office, domestic gross, 6.7 million. That's US, foreign, 13.1 million. Mm -hmm. With a butts and seat index of an average ticket price, $7.96 US. Right. That it has a BSI, US domestic gross of 8846000 but, but it. I always like to point out that the number is. Thousand. thousand. So this yeah. is the lowest BSI we've had. For Most any movie we've reviewed, yeah, and talked about for a year now. And if you go back to the Facebook poll when it, this came out, most everyone, including me, said back I in the day, it. said, "Yeah, I haven't seen this one." But so if you take worldwide, so it's nineteen point eight million worldwide BSI using, mm. and it's a total guess based it's on the U.S. US ticket, uh, ticket yeah. price. That will say two and a half million. So even for argument's sake, let's say that tickets are, are more expensive outside the U.S. than it's two million, and let's say tickets are less expensive outside yeah. the U.S. It's three million. To arrange if two, two to, three. to three million people saw this movie on the compare planet. that to in the entire <laughs> world. So I was moving to theaters. Yeah. Compare that to almost all the other movies we've talked yeah, about. Yeah. That's not a judgment of the movie itself. It's just a discussion on how well and, it did. And, I, and I, I hate to go back to it all the time, but it's a number that I remember. Fight Club was $5.9 In the theater. In yeah. the theater. So this is half of that. Here's the other thing. Production budget, $8.9 Think about where in the holy heck did $8.9 million go they had one camera, from what I can tell. <laughs> they had one camera. They like, shot in three like locations. Yeah. And some of those shots are 15 minutes without moving anything maybe except was, an actor. Maybe it was the wine. They drank a lot of wine. I wonder if in France, if they are, they, did they film this in France? They filmed it yeah. in France, yeah? I wonder if in France uh, there's a lot of, of overhead as far as getting permits and that kind of stuff. But 8.9 million just seems like a lot of money. I'm for this guessing movie. a lot of I it would gone say in. Three. I, I would imagine a lot of it went into advertising for the to get awards. <laughs> well, that's probably that's probably that. Uh, all right, let's compare it to a couple other uh, films. Uh, Life is beautiful. Ah, uh, the crazy guy jumping over the seats at the Oscars. Yeah, Roberto movie. Benigni, 2001. Woo! Budget of twenty million, domestic gross. This is U.S. fifty-seven point five. Yeah. So it was successful. They all advertised. And then the US. foreign, one hundred seventy-two point five million. So it made a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Average ticket price, uh, U.S. four dollars fifty-nine cents. So domestic gross, twelve point five million. As opposed to eight hundred forty-six point six thousand. Yeah. So worldwide, you have two hundred thirty million dollars worldwide BSI fifty million, which is 
bigger than a lot of the other movies that we've even chatted so about. So that's 20 times yeah. larger than and more. Uh, another French film, 2001. Amelie. Amelie. Uh, domestic gross, 33.3 3 million. Foreign, 140 uh, million. Worldwide, 173 million. Average ticket price, $5.66. Uh, $5. So... Five point eight million in the Flight Club range in the U.S. and a, a worldwide BSI of three point thirty point seven million. I uh, just a little quick little point. I don't know if these numbers count because it would have been post uh, regular release, but I saw Fight Club in a dollar theater on one of the re-release runs, and I'll bet you that that number somehow doesn't go into the mix. Oh yeah, I'm talking like initial re- initial. Um, so. Uh, now, here's a movie that I included in our BSI list. Because it deals with some of the same because it issues. Delivers, it deals with some of the same issues. And I like to think that this movie, Amore, falls in the little zone right between when uh, the person gets sick and then when the movie picks up. Right. So kind of like the like little house um, uh, between the gigantic so, uh, yeah. skyscrapers. Um, Amore is, uh, fits right into the middle of this movie, and yeah. that'll make it very depressing when we talk about it. I'm thinking of the movie Up. Up. 2009. Yeah. Uh, the post-death journey yeah. of Carl. Uh, so, <laughs> because both m- movies deal with uh, an old couple and, and death uh, and de- you know death and decay that happens to them. Yes. Domestic gross of Up, 293 million. Foreign, foreign 442 million. Worldwide, 735 million. So I, th- aver- I think aver- that's a bigger number, I think. Average ticket price of $7.50. We're talking 39 million BSI. Worldwide, almost a hundred million. A hundred million, not in the uh, you know Avengers kind of a range, but for it's a little Pixar flick, it's pretty good. All right, so let's uh, let's get into chatting about the movie sure. in terms of why it was nominated, and then uh, we'll dig into it a little bit. Do um, you want to walk us through the rationale that came from? Uh, yeah, that what's this came face? from? Um, Br- what is Bart? his name? Bart. Brad. Bar- Brad. Is it Brad or Bart? Is Brad? There you go. Okay, Brad. Well, uh, I, I could read you the whole thing. It is on Facebook, but just a, a couple of high points. Uh, he nom- When he nominated, he said, you know, uh, I have some bad news for you. You're going to die. Yeah. I'll let that sit just for a sec because, you know, some people don't like to think of it. Yeah, that's right. But it's a thing. Uh, and and he uses some references, a couple of biblical references to justify his nomination. But the key here is that... Uh, he's talking about this movie as being an experience that where you are taken inside what they are experiencing. This yeah. couple, the as the as the as the wife gets sick uh, and 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 gets old and feeble, you're you're drawn inside their yeah, experience. Yeah, and death and aging. He had some personal experiences with that. Yeah, so and he was, was hoping this nomination awakens something inside you, you, the viewer, the same way it did to him. This movie uh, personally affected Brad because of his own his own experiences, but it also, I think, made him um, maybe do some... Uh, just in talking to Brad, I felt like this movie made him do yeah. some internal reflection that he wasn't doing prior to Which comes to from the quote where he says, Ecclesiastes 7.2, it's better to be to go into a house of mourning than to a house of feasting because at the end of every man the living takes it to heart so that like yep. that there is something to be learned from looking death in the face yep yeah yep so this movie had lots of accolades performance by the lead soundtrack and that sort of stuff um and sure. then he goes on talking about michael henneke's story 
mm-hmm. um, where he says it's very thoughtful. It comes from a thoughtful and heartfelt place. Who he himself had stuff that he dealt with, mm-hmm. um, and it's as close to the real thing as it gets. I can't imagine a film telling the story of love and life better than a more. Um, and then he goes on. Uh, what is that? In closing, he says, "In closing, the firemen are going to come looking for all of us one of these days. What will they find?" And by that, he's referring to the very opening scene. It's not very long when the the uh, the emergency the, the emergency personnel are opening up the house to find the two the the, the dead the dead couple, uh, and they're dealing with everything they find within the house. Yeah. So, what would you say in terms of this? So, this movie. What tell me about its uniquenesses and challenges? You know, one of the unique, one of the unique elements of this movie is um, the way that they they don't bother trying to entertain or keep the attention of the viewer. And that sounds like I'm saying something negative. I'm not. They want the viewer to fill in the gaps or to experience even the tick, tick, tick of the hallway clock. Um, there's a scene where the husband is talking to their daughter. And he describes their day. It was four sentences long. There were pauses between each sentence. It was like, she sleeps all night. Uh, or I'm sorry, she sleeps all day. She's only awake at night. I can't stay awake at night. Uh, we are awake at the same time about 7 a.m. And I try to feed her. I change her diaper. And sometimes we sing or talk. That's our day. And I remember, I remember watching that scene and thinking to myself, you know, like, someone wrote that out as the script. Like, here's your lines. It was a five-minute scene, and I don't think it had 12 sentences in it. Yeah. The, the camera will just sit on a single scene for an elongated period of time so that you can just experience the waiting. Yeah. There are two scenes that they film in the dark. Yes. In the film, where they're just filming them while they sleep. For like two minutes. <laughs> yes. There is a scene that's at a theater. One of the very few oh, scenes yeah, that's the first not. Scene. Yeah, that's after the, this is uh, this is prior to her being sick. It's one of the few scenes that's not shot in the apartment. It's like a camera, it's if the camera's perspective is from the stage looking at an audience. And the audience is just politely sitting there. I timed it. I rewound it and played it back. It was two and a half minutes long. It felt you said that was a four minute scene to me. <laughs> it was a four minute scene because then you started hearing some music in the background as if the show's about to start, and everyone in the audience simultaneously, like a bunch of little kind of robots, starts clapping. Clap, 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 clap. That was more than sixty seconds of clapping, and then some music started, but the video faded out. You didn't get to see the concert. No, and the like, whole point of the scene was for you to watch the waiting, and you didn't even. They didn't, like, there was a subtle, and it was like, I watched it and was like, well, that was very French. When I, where they didn't pan in to a close-up of the person that we're supposed to watch. Oh, yeah, the couple was there, but they weren't the even center. Was there, they, weren't they were even, lower left. Yeah, and, like, one person had their hands together, and tented. that was it, tented, and everybody else had their hands down. And I was like, well, maybe that's the person I'm supposed to watch. I don't even know. Because we hadn't even hardly met the couple. Yeah. At that point in time, we didn't know the couple. We had seen her corpse. And at that point, I was like, what the hell kind of movie is Brad making me watch? What are we watching? Uh, Uh, I asked that question again (laughs) later. but That is one of the unique and challenging elements of this movie is that to get people, I think, to get people to watch the whole movie. I have to say, 
if I wasn't watching it for this podcast, if I, if somebody had said you should check out this movie, I would have watched ten to fifteen minutes, turned it off, read a review of it, and had a short discussion with the person who recommended it to me, saying how much uh, what I remember of it. Yeah, and that would have been it. I totally would have faked it because I was like. And this but I is, watched it. This is where the the uh, the f bomb would drop for us to say f oh, this. I'm fuck. out of here. <laughs> f this. So the thing is, there was a payoff. There was a benefit. I it did make me do a reflection, and so that's there. Uh, but that's that's. I think that's a unique and a, uniqueness and a challenge. Sure, to this movie. it is uh, like like without glossing over it too much. That it is. It's a subtitle movie, so you like that is a challenge of the movie where for me, like you have to, if it's not your, you know, if it's not your original language, you have to break away from watching the screen to do the reading. Not that it's bad, no. but I'm just saying that's part of the experience of this movie. That might be challenging to some. That for, reminds me, one of the things that I did for fun during the movie when I was really bored. I, there were moments of deep boredom. Trust me, for me because I'm so ADHD, but. Uh, I would try to translate the words they were saying without reading the subtitles. Yeah. Like, I blocked the subtitles or I just didn't look at them and then see how close I was. So there was a few, there was a little bit of that. I played some games to kind of get in my mind to get to get through the movie and to watch it. I rewound it uh, towards the end and watched half of it over. So uh, I actually saw a huge chunk of it twice. Yeah. The middle chunk where she was just dealing with her uh, being her paralysis from the first stroke to the second stroke. Yeah, and I, so and I'll say this in terms of a uniqueness of a nomination, that this, for all for many of the movies that we see, many of them are very popular films. Sure, uh, that you you get, you know. Lots of things that we have seen before and know about, and maybe just have to go back and watch. This yeah, is like when the you room. Have, this is one you have to go find. Yeah. Uh, yes, like definitely. Yes, you'd have to go find um, this movie. And I would and by say, by the way, it was nowhere. And another challenge <laughs> of this movie is, like as you were saying, is that you have to be willing to sit and lean into the boredom. You got to lean into it because the movie is about being kind of trapped and bored and depressed and old and decaying. That's the thing. Yeah. It was a uh, a sensory deprivation experience yeah. watching the movie felt like i was disconnected so as far as uh as far as um how about we so i was going to mention the next thing with this little deep dig we'll, yeah we'll hold off on that for one second all right uh, and and I'll, the listeners don't know why but we'll get back to that because oh, that'll show yeah. up while we're talking about the story let's just walk through a breakdown of what we thought in terms of where we say Pantheon movies hit on all cylinders. Let's walk through the cylinders. All right, A acting. Yeah, I, I don't know about the other characters, but definitely for the husband and I, I'm not so much on the other characters, but definitely for the husband and wife, uh, both of them are obviously trained, professional, very good actors. They perform their roles well. I talked about the husband already, but I have actually I've actually helped with and 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 worked with uh, stroke survivors, stroke victims. Yeah, and what she portrayed was was pretty good. At no point in the movie did I think that she was acting that she had a stroke. No, I actually because, thought she'd had a stroke. Yeah, because it was so well done. Yeah, in the, in the first one, she didn't have the full paralysis on one side. She had partial. 
uh, after the second one, she had the paralysis even of the facial muscles, muscles and some of those things. And I'd wondered what they did to help her with that. Kind of like the Godfather, the Godfather cotton balls in his cheek to make him talk that way. Kind of a deal. I don't know what they did there, but but that looked very realistic. Um, she seemed to have full speech yeah. after her first stroke, so it must they must not yeah, have portrayed the, as being the, a major. The one. first one was was seemed like it was minor. was minor, and it seemed to have been kicked off by some surgery she had to try to correct a, a heart or blood flow uh, defect. Yeah, because of the carotid artery. Yeah, she'd had some issues with her blood flow, and it, it was causing her to have blackout moments, uh, and so she went to have surgery to correct that. And due to the surgery, she was in the five percentile range where, uh, you want me to open that bottle for you? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Hang on. You, you go ahead. Oh yeah. You got it. Yeah. With I'm, your teeth. Oh, I know. Oh wow. That was very oh, that's nice. satisfying. I've got a little, uh, right. yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so, so hers, and I already talked about the husband's acting, the acting of the other characters in the movie. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I was going to say like, really, when it comes to acting, we're really just talking about the three big people. Yeah. George, Anne, and then the daughter, Eva. Yeah, and even her, I thought. Mm-hmm. But even her, but like the, the first two. And I will say, when it comes to acting, those two, they they, they did it. I, like, I, I loved the husband and the wife. Yep. Like, I thought everything that they that was on, on screen as was amazing. As far as their acting. Was as far as the acting goes, was phenomenal. How about directing, editing, and choices? What do you think there? Yeah, so for me, this is an area where I appreciate what was done. Yep. However. However. Damn. It pulled, like, some of the decisions that they made pulled me away. And I would like to, like, I would, I'll combine screenplay and directing. And Henneke did both of those uh, together. So, and the thing that pulled me away was that they kept the characters at an arm's length the whole time. We And I, I read, like, uh, some, uh, like, a... Um, an interview that was done with Henneke about the film where he was talking about, like, I think film should be morally ambiguous and you shouldn't give too much detail. And that's his approach. And when you watch this film, you're like, nope, that's what he did. It's morally ambiguous and there's not a lot of detail. But for me, that there was, he leaned so heavily into that, that I just didn't care about the characters like all said, that much because what because, were their names? because like I wasn't sure of their, even their names right? I mean their family name we heard them referred to as Mr. and Mrs. yeah with yeah, yeah. Um, starts with an L right so so that that was that was a thing that kind of because we didn't see any of the sweet moments that they had we didn't see any flashbacks from their life good or bad we didn't we didn't see a lot of the extra stuff that was in there um because most of that was left out for me that I I just never personally got terribly invested in their characters. So as when far, it, as far as backstory, yeah. real quick, as far as backstory, one moment one moment she asked for their photo albums. However, my experience of watching her look at those photo albums, she was the same arm's length away from the actual events that happened yeah. in them as we were from the story she that we were watching with her. Yeah. She was she was like looking at 2D images of something she may not even remember and she but her comment was uh, something like oh sweet memories or happy times or something like that. It, it, you know what? But it felt like she a robot just yeah. saying happy times. 
And the the whole time, you definitely had this kind of like, oh, there's a lot of French ennui here. There's a lot yeah. of like older sophistication of like uh, emotions. We don't do that here. So or that sort of stuff. But for me as a viewer, I'm like, I, I, I need some of that. I get up in the morning. I make a cup of coffee for myself. I make a cup of coffee for my wife. She comes downstairs. The dogs always come with her. Blum, 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 blum. One of us or both of us, we have a routine. Takes the dogs out. We come back in. We get them fed. We get our coffee. We sit down. We chill yeah. for a bit. About the time our coffee cups are empty, we got to take the dogs back out for a second run. All right. So, fair enough. But that's our morning. But it's, it, it's, it's never, here you are. Why, thank you. You're welcome. Um, can I please have the, yes, you may. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. But that was this yeah. couple's relationship. Yeah, and it might it have been there. It was so weird. And it might have been their actual relationship in, term, have, like, in terms, like in terms of the idea of the couple but that I he felt was putting together. No, even before she even yeah. got sick, I felt no sense of intimacy or connection. When the daughter was talking to the mom, one scene, the daughter's talking to the mom about how her husband. Uh, fell in love with one of the cellists in their in their group and and madly in love and it all blew up when the cellist the cellist uh, uh, started acting like a weird wacko and he so he came back to the daughter came back to his wife and then the cellist told the whole group about it and and it's very awkward now to have practice because everybody knows that this is going on and the mom just sat there looking at her like uh huh yeah that's normal and I half expect her to be like yeah when your dad did that I. Yeah, and they just talked about like that. Oh, this was normal. And again, I'm thinking to myself, maybe that's normal for the French, maybe not. But it doesn't feel normal for human beings. Yeah. Well, so um, in that experience, uh, in that experience, that because this was my personal experience of it, that because they were so kind of arm's length, mm -hmm. that I never quite got invested. Yeah, I'm um, and even even to the moment where, and this is the spoiler alert time. If you haven't seen the movie, stop now. Uh, yeah, there you go. Is that it culminates at the end where after going through all of the things that they were going together, and she had her second stroke, and now she's only saying the word hurts, and you Poor watch help. that her watch watch her being bathed in the shower and that's where you see the side boob that's yeah, the artful little, nudity little, little and like all of the all of the all of the sophistication is gone where it's like and there's nothing left and she's just laying in bed and he she's saying hurts 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 and he puts his hand on hers he calms her down and he does something he knows she loves he starts telling her a story about his life that she's never heard before yep he finishes telling the whole story she has calmed down she's quiet and then he grabs a pillow, and he puts it over her face. And he suffocates her to death. Yep. Which, uh, I know that's the huge payoff of the movie. It's the Amour. Uh, and when I was watching that, I didn't have a reaction. Like, no, it was relief. Like, it, 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 like for me, that like, and I know maybe this is the moral ambiguity that was go he was going for, but also at the same time, because of the emotional connection wasn't there, I just, I was disaffected. She had already tried this at least once before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was going to throw herself out the window, out the window which, and which she physically couldn't do. There's it. an allusion to the fact that he threw himself out the window after he killed her. Yeah. Um, the one scene that, that did make me choke up a little bit, and it was the one time in the whole movie, 
was when they were struggling and she didn't want to eat or drink anymore and he was forcing her to drink and she was holding it in her, in her mouth and then, and then spit, spit it in her the face, just acting water. like a child yeah. herself, spit it in his face, and then he, out of frustration, slapped her and then immediately regretted it. And that, that one moment, I was like, I felt a connection. That was the one moment in the film that it I re- that really almost felt to me like that was the only moment he was human. Yeah. In the whole damn movie. Now, um, all right, cinematography. So we've talked about this. Some yep. of these long-held scenes, for yeah, the way they were structured, as I said, I was I, I, I half jokingly said they only had one camera in this movie, but they would set up a scene with one camera fixed and do an entire scene, sometimes with nothing happening. That would be minutes long. Uh, Again, in my head, even though there was no tick, tick, tick clock in this movie that I remember, in my head, I could hear the the clock in the hallway tick, 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 time passing. So those were choices made not just by the director, but also the cinematographer in putting those in there in that way. Yeah. So like on one hand, and I know Brad had talked about like setting up, this was a home of love before and then... It was now a tomb, and it was supposed to have this claustrophobic feel. Sure. It didn't have a more claustrophobic feel after the stroke than it did before. So, like, for me, I, I get the long establishing shot in terms mm. of setting it up, but Dozens the, the, the film, in terms of the shots that were made, were also kind of arm's length. No yep. huge close-ups, no massive pullbacks. But everything was kind of at this medium distance of kind of safely away. You know what? I, I almost felt like the camera was actually 400 feet away and they were we were viewing it through a telephoto lens. Okay. That's the same thing because yeah. it's the distance. Which explains which would explain kind of why, if, if they didn't do this, but if they had, it would explain why the shots didn't move. Like there were no mobile camera shots that I recall. There was no, there was nothing that felt like I was yeah. there. And I love to feel like I'm in a movie. I was never in this movie. I was watching a movie. There was a couple moments where I was like, oh, that was a neat juxtaposition where they were like talking about their love life and then they showed the bed being moved, like trans, like uh, ins- getting a, a bed out and moving in this real mechanical bed. For so no half. longer it's a bed of love. Now it's this mechanical bed. Hospital bed. Hospital yeah. bed. Like it was um, his side, her side, and her side had the mobile raised lift thing. There was a there was a couple moments where like they were standing up together where he was helping her walk and it would almost look like a dance and that was kind of a neat shot in sure. there. Um I I liked probably visually I liked the thing that I liked the most was that opening shot with the fireman breaking in. Okay. Um just because it had the most amount of like interest. Almost, there was no words, mo- almost no words. Yeah. They were they were all clearly reacting to uh, a, a smell, a smell, a, a smell of yeah. death. Because I knew what was going to happen in the movie just from hearing about it. I knew that they were going to jump back in time. Uh, the shot at the very end, the juxtaposition at the very end. There's a scene where he's in like the, one of the kids' rooms, sleeping there because she's dead in their bed. And he's uh, laying on this bed, like in one of the kids' rooms, off the kitchen. And then he hears a noise, and he comes out, and she, she, who's now dead, is standing, her pre-sickness appearance, hair, everything, in the kitchen doing a thing. She says it's almost done. She tells him almost absently, "Well, I'm about ready to go. Go get your shoes on." He's not talking. He he's the one now who's not talking while she's talking. This is all 
obviously at the end of the movie. But anyway, he goes, puts his shoes on. She comes out. He helps her with the coat. She starts to leave, turns around, says, aren't you going to wear a coat? He nods, grabs a coat. They walk out the door. The cam- This is the one time I recall a camera moving. It moves in through some of the interconnected rooms. Their apartment had a lot of interconnected rooms in a, in a, yeah. a pathway. Through some of the interconnected rooms until it can now look at the door. And as it moved, the, the daylight changed. And you've got this impression that we were now looking at a different day. The front door opens and their daughter comes in. The apartment is much more empty now than yeah. it was. And she walks around and looks at some of the rooms as if like, as if like stewing in her own memories. But again, it's this elongated yeah no activity shot and then black and that's the end of the movie yeah and i would say like for me one of the i like that combo like he clearly had died she was there alive and they then walked out together so like um for me slightly jarring was that everything else was kind of like in this moment of realism yeah but then towards the end they like he started getting more French symbolism. Yeah, at the end he started seeing, hearing yeah, her doing yeah. things that she was not doing. So, so, what do you think about the score? It was minimal, but mostly piano pieces. It was minimal, mostly piano pieces, and I liked I liked the music. The music fit the story and their life, but it wasn't the kind of music that I was like, oh. And then there was this one song that was just so amazing. It was mostly classical music played yeah. by a single pianist. And I would say that the thing that was most striking about the score for me was the lack of score in a large portion of the movie where they were leaning into against the boredom and silence Tomb of this old like silence. Yeah, so like tick. Th- tick that was an interesting tick, choice. Tick. Uh where you you get to hear the clock ticking more than you get to hear uh, yeah. a musical score in the background. Yeah, sure. Um screenplay we talked about that already. Um there was no real special effects in this movie to Not speak really. of except for one scene where they had the dream sequence where he was walking in the hallway. Yes, and uh he all of a sudden he was walking in like 6 inches of water and a hand from nowhere comes around his head and grabs him. Yep. That's the only special effects I can recall. I, there, there, was, were, there were special effects. They made her look like somebody who was not only dying but eventually full on dead. Yeah. And then also and the, that was played by her. That yeah. was not a mannequin. And also the windows that it was filmed on a studio set. It was filmed on a studio set, and the windows were not actual. Anything that was looking out the window was, oh, was not, not actual. That was a video screen. And I, I, or I was something. like, oh, okay. I wouldn't have known known that without yeah, it was also reading about. Not that. really anything interesting going on out there, which I thought was a part yeah. of the story they were telling. Was that. To them, there wasn't anything, anything interesting happening. They were sending people out to go get stuff for them. And, so and we so had on. mentioned the, a right. number of the awards that it won, 85th Academy Award, yep. uh, Palmdor for at the Cannes. It won essentially the, the French Emmy or Oscar. Uh, Oscar, yeah. The, the Caesar. Oscar. The Caesar. The Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, some trivia of the movie that at, a hundred, at two hours and seven minutes that it only had 236 cuts. And I think <laughs> the average length of those cuts was six hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, so this, again, this was uh, constructed on a set. The windows were green screen. Uh, a constant bit of direction that Michael Haneke gave to the cast was to avoid sentimental sentimentality at all costs. Okay. Uh, which... As we were talking about, they nailed that. Mm. Um, for me, that was that was a, a yeah. detraction. He never looked at her. For him, and you that saw was love in his eyes. For, there was nothing yeah. like for that. him. That was like, this is gold. For me, it, it was kind of like, not as much. Um, yeah, and then uh, 
finally that we had mentioned the uh, that Michael Haneke said that with this film and its story and setting, he wanted to achieve three classical unities of space, time, and action. This is talked about in theater, uh, like in theater schools. This is the classic Aristotle stuff of saying good good stories should have a unity of space, time, and action. They should all happen in one place. They should happen in the time frame of the movie or the play itself, and that they should have a central uh, action that every that everything is revolving around. And I would say her large, dying. largely, yeah, her dying was it. Uh, so yeah. like they her, nailed that. Her the traveling time frame from, was a little bit longer. Her traveling from relatively good health, a big surprise that she was having a little blanking out, to stroke, stroke, and yeah. and then they'll, they'll they'll fade down to nothing. And the unity of space is that that every every location should be travelable within yeah. the the time the frame. Time of, of the movie. So as far as that is concerned, that was fine. Now, as we noted earlier uh, when we were chatting that. Even the director himself had some personal connection, like Brad was saying, he nominated this for personal connection, that Michael Haneke himself had an aunt who uh, had gone through this stuff, and he had, I, I don't know if it was her or somebody else had committed suicide at 92. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this movie has a lot of deep themes. It has a lot of themes about aging, death, dying, euthanasia, and those sorts of things, and I would say it's a good film to watch. For sure. those reasons, because it's challenging on a lot of those reasons. But for all those reasons, it's a difficult film for someone, at least like myself, to watch because it's very realistic. Yeah. It's very on the nose, and it makes me feel sad. I don't mind feeling emotions in movies. I, I, I'll watch movies that make me break down in complete tears. But I didn't cry during this movie. I just felt like I wanted it to be over that doesn't mean i didn't like the movie i wanted the movie to be over i wanted this story of this couple to be done and when he when he took her out i felt relief yeah. I, effectively i felt what that character probably felt sure guilt i felt guilt that i felt relief but i felt relief yeah as as was in the nomination of what ecclesiastes was, was saying yeah. is that there's a benefit of going to the house of mourning because these sure. things are important that said, for me, the movie Up did it better in the first seven minutes. I agree, and at the at the yeah, I was cool the way that and that and like yeah, well. so but like laying out a couple that <laughs> I got super invested in their love story, and then I was devastated to watch one of them die, and it happened in seven minutes in an animated movie, right? And like they did in seven minutes what Haneke could did in a. 127 and they did it better in up and here's the other thing if, in two hours less time if, if i had if i had a digital copy of this movie on my computer and had a couple of days to go through it i would produce the same story with all the same activities and it would be a 30 minute short that's one of my complaints about the movie is that there was 30 minutes of movie and it took two hours to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So, how, uh, all right. So that is a more. Yep. And what do you think? Did the council? Did the council do the do it right? I think the 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 council, even do though it's a good vote? movie, what um, was the actual vote? I don't. I don't you know, nine what? to I don't, two. I don't have twenty-seven that. to zero. I think that maybe even Brad voted against his own nomination this time. <laughs> uh, in any case, the council, I think that I, so the council said no, and I agree with the council. I agree with the, the council decision. as well. Um, 
that that said it's still something you should watch at least well, one time. Here's the thing. I don't think this is essential viewing. I think if you want to experience these kind of emotions and feelings, you talked about it seven minutes up. There's another movie that maybe someday I'll be brave enough to nominate myself if I get a chance that takes you through the same thing, but with a hell of a lot more story, a hell of a lot more action. Do you want me to mention that movie or hold it back? I don't want to cry now. Okay, we'll hold it back. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that. But there's another movie, that well, probably several, but there's at least one other movie which will take you through these same themes and the same everything, Yeah, but with... Without all of the French, yeah. F- <laughs> so it's not this yeah, movie. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, so that was a more. Uh, let's transition to our second movie, which also deals with mortality. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsor. A word from our sponsor. We are sponsored tonight by Amore Brand Pillows. Amore Brand Pillows to get the sleep that you've been dying for. That forever deep sleep that really, really, really gets her done. I apologize for that. This is a real thing. You bought Uh, me an Amore brand pillow. Thank you, Amore brand pillows. I love Amore brand pillows. Yeah, it'll the Amore brand pillows. I was just gonna say. All right, you're a horrible person. Hey, I by the way, I'm a terrible, terrible I brought person. Just, Wait, uh, what did you bring? I, I, I brought, I brought yeah, a little, uh, a couple of those, cups a little royal there. crown so, today. No, so and for, some uh, ginger for beer. Amor, I, I brought oh. some de Amor amaretto. A little amaretto. A little. Uh, a, this is a nice. As a child, my grandmother made yeah. amaretto oh, cookies, nice. and I hated them. This is a, a nice liqueur. As here. an adult, I don't here. enjoy drinking amaretto it's either. A, way, it's a very sweet liqueur. But it's um, a more brand. Yeah. The uh, here we go. Oh, there's that smell I've grown there to hate. Go. You know You're what? I'm not a fan of amaretto. In my coffee, I really like it in my coffee. Here, here we go. Very much in and my coffee. Cheers to you. Not so much. Mm. Is mm. that too much for you? Mm. Does it taste like a more? The oh. movie. <laughs> Oh, it's like old people smothering. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, the next movie. The Wrestler. The Wrestler. Hey. Randy the Ram returns. All right. Brother. Brother. So, The Wrestler. 2008. Starring... Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke as Randy the Ram. Yeah. And the lovely... Marissa Tomei. As Cassidy slash Pam. Yeah. Um, so, and in this movie as well, Mark Margolis, who yes. plays uh, Tio uh, in Breaking Bad, the, the guy in yeah. the wheelchair. Yeah, ding, ding, your ding, favorite ding, little ding, bell ding, ringer. Ding, 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 ding. Apparently he's in a lot of movies by yeah. this director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aronofsky. So, as far as the ratings go. Rated R. Rated L- R. There's some, uh, there's some less than tasteful stripper type nudity going on. No uh, nope, there's even a little bit of sex. In fact, there is a blatant sex scene in this movie. That's right. It's so, a bathroom sex scene because it's classy. Uh, so, uh, why don't you walk us through the rest of that uh, All right. on this? It is a drama, or some would say pseudo-docudrama, as is to document the life and times of the... End, end of life and times is Randy the Ram. Uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky, who also directed Black Swan with Natalie Portman, Noah with Russell Crowe, and uh, he was the producer... On the Fighter. Screenplay by Robert Siegel. Was, uh, 
He uh, also has a screenplay for Turbo, the snail movie, uh, The Founder, that's the Ray Kroc McDonald story with uh, Michael Keaton, uh, and The Onion movie. Uh, the Onion movie, I'm the, not familiar uh, with You should that. watch it at some point. It's one of those uh, fun-to-watch type movies. Don't take it too seriously. It's literally connected to The Onion, yeah. as in the website. Uh, produced by uh, Darren, Ar- uh, Darren Aronofsky, Scott Franklin, and a, and a host of others, actually quite a few producers. Musical, musical score by Clint Mansell, who did the musical score for one of my favorite sleeper movies, Moon. I like that movie, actually. Uh, did it? That's what the guy who dances, right? What's his face? Yes, the guy from Charlie's Angels. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I can't think of his yep. name right now. That guy who's in the thing. Uh, he, uh, Clint Mansell also did uh, an episode. Uh, did the uh, uh, score for an episode of Black Mirror, uh, and Noah. The Black Squan, The Fountain, and a bunch of other stuff with Aronofsky. They probably like to work together. Edited by Andrew Weisblum. It was in theaters uh, in September 2008. Runtime was about an hour 49, hour 50. And the studio was Fox Searchlight Pictures. They actually picked it up from the, I think, Canadian movie festival where it first was was viewed. They, they bought it right there and made sure it got distributed uh, through Fox. For those who uh, uh, may be unfamiliar with the movie, that this is a drama about an aging professional wrestler. Randy the Ram. Randy the Ram, played by Mickey Rourke, decades past his prime. Uh, he was in his prime in 1989. The film is shot in 2009, 20 years later. And it, who, as, there, as if that's when it's happening. Yeah. Who now barely gets by working small wrestling shows in VFW halls and is a part-time grocery store employee. As he faces health problems that may end his wrestling career for good, he attempts to come to terms with his life outside the ring by working full-time at the grocery store, uh, store, trying to reconcile with the daughter he abandoned in childhood and forming a closer bond with a stripper he has romantic feelings for. Oh, yeah. Enjoy that right Thank there. You. Yeah. Sorry. He struggles with his new life with a, and an offer of a high-profile rematch of his 1980s arch nemesis, the guy he uh, the closed out to in 1989, the Ayatollah. Yes. Which may be his ticket back to stardom. All right. That's the movie and in a nutshell. That synopsis uh, was written by Matlock 6. Matlock 6. Uh, so as far as ratings go, uh, so uh, we're looking at IMDb of 7.9 out of 10, a Metacritic of 81, uh, Rotten Tomato 98%, percent fresh, 88% audience. So this, uh, again, is another movie that has uh, a higher critic score than an audience score. And I can see why. And Google 86% liked this movie. Yep. Uh, Roger Ebert, what'd you got there? Uh, he gave it four of four. He liked it. Here's the irony. Cassidy, that's the stripper, Marissa Tormey, is as much a performer as Randy, the wrestler, the Ram. He's a ring worker. She's a sex worker. They put on a show and give the customers what they want. It pays the rent. There's always a chasm between pros and their audiences. Sometimes they, he doesn't say this, but sometimes they intentionally make that chasm there. That's why so many showbiz people marry each other. Magicians say the trick is told when the trick is sold. If you think about that. I cared as deeply about Randy the Ram as any movie character I've seen this year. I cared about Mickey Rourke too. The way this role in this film unfold, that almost amounts to the same thing. Rourke may not win the Oscar for Best Actor, but it would make me feel good to see him up there. It really would. 
I've actually never read an Ebert review where he talks this way. Yeah, where it's personal. This really felt like it was personal for yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a couple of critics from uh, the Rotten Tomato world, Eddie Cockrell, uh, Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, g'day, mate. G'day. 4.5 out of 5, so this would be a fresh. Uh, who better than Rourke to sell the idea of a battered yet proud pugilist in search of redemption? Let me open a little can here. Ooh. All right. What do you got there? Oh, it's uh, it's a nice Ooh, is that brew. that cinnamon Coke? <laughs> yeah. Bro. Oh, no. It's just regular Coke. zero Coke. Yeah, zero Coke. Scott Rabb of Esquire Magazine calls it fresh. Uh, actually didn't have a score on his review. Okay. But, but he said it was fresh. Rourke doesn't just make good on the promise of his early work. He makes a miracle. The schmuck can act. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems personal as well. That seems personal differently. All right. I, uh, a couple more critic reviews uh, from the Metacritic world. Uh, Owen Gleiberman Entertainment gives it a... Uh, they The Metacritic rates this review as 100. The Wrestler is like Rocky made by... The Scorsese of Mean Streets. It's the rare movie fairy tale that also that's also a bravura work of art. Yeah. Kenneth from the LA Times gave it a 50. That's out of 100 again. The wrestler doesn't add up. It's constructed with great care around a lead performance that is everything it could possibly be, but the picture itself is off-putting and disappointing. And that was one of few. That was probably the very lowest one. Right? Few. Of the, of the Metacritic reviews, there wasn't, as I found anyway, there wasn't a zero. There was a lower one, but uh, I didn't pick it for a reason. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think I didn't pick it because it was just, like, almost unintelligible. Yeah. By the way, I put, there is a review in here that was unintelligible. It's the next one from the Hoi Polloi. Lewis uh, gives it a zero out of ten. The Wrestler is the most overrated film of the year. I think the film is bored, and I don't like the Rourke's performance. You're reading it. I'm reading it as is. I think Rourke's performance in The Wrestler is worse than Eastwood's performance in Gran Torino, uh, Josh Brolin's performance in Milk, um, Frank Langella's performance in Frost Nixon, Richard Jenkins' performance in The Visitor, or Benicio del Toro's performance in Che. So it, I think he doesn't like any of those I, films. I'm thinking he may not have seen some of those films because yeah, some like, of the performances he referred to were good performances. Yeah, yeah. So if, if the wrestler is worse than that, what Milk, does that mean? Frost, Nixon, Gran Torino, uh, che, che, The Visitor, uh, yeah, uh, like all of those are probably like high rate, rated films. Yeah. So Anonymous MC gave it. Anon, I, I I know Anonymous MC. Yeah. yeah. DJ. Uh, that's his. Yeah. That's his DJ. His, name. his brother's name is D. Yeah. Yeah, he runs a lot. Anyway, Anonymous MC gave it an 8 out of 10. Very good, but as good as everyone says. I loved the movie, but I had a problem with the editing, which felt a little more like a documentary style, and the ending, which I have mixed feelings about, but didn't hate. Other than that, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. By the way, I want to make sure we refer to the ending a little later. There's a neat little point about that, both from in the movie, but also outside the movie from the director. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do we have any more reviews from the hoi polloi of Metacritic? Hang on here. Hold like, because on. I feel like last time we didn't yes. have... Wait. Who is it? Spangle! Awesome. Awesome. So did Spangle like it? Eight out of ten. He I says, I'm not even a wrestling fan. it a B. But I love this. It's truly more than your average sports film, thanks to the brilliant performance by Mickey Rourke as the aging wrestler Randy the Ram Robinson. 
He truly embodies his character because it's him. Posse, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a, like, uh, yeah, as Del Close would say, a good character is one thinly veiled. Thinly veiled, and in this case, yeah. the veil was hanging around his waist. Yeah, it was. It was more of like a spandex yeah, veil. It was, like, his, it was. It was his, like a Lloyd yeah, cloth. Yeah. He wore the veil as a Lloyd. It cloth. really was. Um, possibly because his career so closely resembles it. Huh. Possibly. Overall, the wrestler succeeds in really every way imaginable thanks to the dynamite pairing of Aronofsky and Rourke. And I realize he didn't, Spengel didn't say this, and maybe there was a little more here, and, I, and it got edited a little bit, but uh, Tomei. Marissa Tomei's performance in this movie is the glue yeah. that actually made it all make a lot more sense. It was like... The nipple a, ring on the nipples it was, of the boobs. It of, was, it was uh, like looking in a mirror, yeah. but not seeing a reflection of yourself, seeing yourself... The right way around. I have to say, I, I, I was watching this, and I knew she was in the movie. I hadn't seen it in forever, and I'm watching this, and then she shows on naked. up. The first scene, naked. Naked is also the first. It was also the first scene that yeah. she filmed. I know. She got to set. We'll talk more about this, but and, she got to set, and the first scene was all right. We're getting the stripper scene out right away. And uh, my reaction, no lie, was, <sighs> "Damn, Aunt May, <laughs> <laughs> she is." She, yeah. Yeah. she, the and did the, all the correct preparations. <laughs> oh yeah, without getting gross. So uh, now receipts, receipts. The movie, two thousand eight, budget of six million, domestic gross. I'd like to point out six million. Six. Million. The wrestler for six million. How much did they spend to make that eight point nine million? Halanaga, That was almost the one f bomb right there. <laughs> So domestic gross, twenty six point two million foreign, eighteen point five average ticket price of seven dollars and eighteen cents. So a BSI of three point six five million. Butts in um, butts in seats. Seats index three point six five million. That's right. Uh, So some comparisons. All right. What would you compare it to? Uh, well, I mean, it, because it's the same director and everything. Actually, two, the first two are because of the same director and they have a, a similar structure. But Black Swan, I think, is an obvious comparison. In fact, in the versus episode where the re- where the the wrestler uh, was kicked up to Pantheon, it was against Black Swan. So I think it's a, a good comparison. Two thousand ten budget of thirteen million, domestic gross. 107. I would go so far as, like, just to add, yeah. they were supposed to be connected. One, yeah, in fact, the uh, uh, director said, Aronofsky said that when he was originally writing a script, the idea was a wrestler and a ballet dancer fall in love. Yeah, but it was the worlds were too far apart and, and it well, just and didn't the, mesh. The, the storylines he was writing became separated. He continued on and did the full script for Black Swan and, and passed off uh to yeah. uh the writer for uh the wrestler although obviously he was in, he was the, involved the black swan yeah yeah uh, no the wrestler he passed off he wasn't the the writer on the black swan he was he's not the credit so writer you were on, saying on the wrestler bu- budget of 13 million budget of 13 domestic gross 107 average ticket price in 2010 of 789 is butts and seats index of 13.6 million so and and, and it was filmed much more as a movie yeah. than it was a this art house documentary yes. so i could see how it would have more popular there was also it. a lot more advertising for black swan yeah. natalie portman was hot 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 in 2010 she had she'd put a bunch of stuff out from 2000 forward and uh mm-hmm. you know people saw I, I i would suspect people saw a new movie coming out uh, with him in there, and they just kind of you know, sure. made a choice. The Fighter, 
which uh, is with um, uh, uh, Matt Damon, right? I think it is. I'm going to go with you on that Okay, one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, budget of $25 million, domestic gross 93.6, average ticket price uh, same year, $789, 11 $11.86 Three to four times better. Three really? to four times, yeah, almost three four to, times. Three to four times more popular. Yep. Now, I, then I jump back to 1985. Yeah, good Another year. wrestler movie. This was a, a, about a high school wrestler with... Um, um, uh, uh, you made this list. So yeah, I no, I'm just trying to remember the name one. of the actor. The, the, the anyway, the point is, uh, he's a major actor, been a lot of stuff. Budget was three point three two million, and uh, domestic gross thirteen million. Average ticket price nineteen eighty five was three point five five. Butts in seats index three point six six million. Uh, basically, the exact same number of butts in seats as the wrestler for Vision Quest. Yeah, so uh, the uh, the actors here that you're looking at... Oh, Matthew Modine. Matthew yeah. Modine, that's the guy. And, you know, he's been in a ton of stuff. You know, he's, he's obviously... Uh, but at the time, in 1985, he was a kid. He was probably in his 20s, but he was playing like a 17-year-old high school junior or senior uh, on the wrestling team who... And, and Michael Sheffling. Yep. As well. Yep. So, so about the same. The term, same number yeah. of people. And I remember Vision Quest as being a, a big movie. Well... I tell you, you know what was big with Vision Quest was the soundtrack. Yeah. It sold thousands, th- tens of thousands, whatever. It sold a bunch of copies, uh, hundreds. It sold dozens of copies. Dozens. Tens of copies. <laughs> tens of copies. It sold, a, seven, it sold ten copies. Seven, six or seven copies. But if I if I was to go through some of the songs from the from the soundtrack of Vision Quest, you would know them. Because they were played on the radio. But not that many people saw it in the theater, so... So, uh, it, all right. tell me about the rationale for this movie. So, in uh, as I said, in 2017, The Wrestler uh, won a Versus episode against Black Swan. It was kicked up for a Pantheon vote. There are a lot of similarities uh, between the two films. They both explore themes of obsession, uh, fractured families, self-mutilation through performance, and cinematography. There's even another reason they're so similar. As you mate stated, they started off as one movie. Now, this is from... The director himself, Aronofsky, he said at one point he was actually developing a project that was about a love affair between a ballet dancer and a wrestler, and it kind of split off into two movies. He realized pretty quickly that the taking on the two worlds, like wrestling and ballet, was too much for one movie. And I'm glad he did that, because he he immersed us... He didn't immerse us into the world of strippers. There were strippers in a, in a strip club involved in this movie. He completely immersed us backstage... And emotionally into the world of the wrestlers. Yeah. Pre-fight, post-fight. Like, have you ever seen a documentary of the post-fight for an MMA fighter? You want to know why you don't see that? Because they don't want you to see what happens when the guys come back out of the ring. Yeah, all the all They're the beat grossness. to hell. Even yeah. the winner looks like he got hit by a truck. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, uh, he guess his... Uh, he uh, the, the Aronofsky says his dream would be that some art theater someday will play these two films... As a double feature. Yeah. I actually think that's already happened. And then AV treated these as a double as feature. As a double feature. Now, from what I understand, uh, 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 that this was a time in Adventures in Video Land when there was a hacking inc- incident. Uh, so we would have more information on this. We uh, we don't even know how the votes came out except yeah. that it was no. Yeah. No, and, yeah. you know, I'm not even sure. But it was just like the group didn't con- didn't didn't agree to kick it up. They didn't. 
No, it got kicked up. They didn't, but the, but the, but the, uh, it got kicked up for Pantheon, but the council said no. Okay. But we yeah. just don't know what the vote percentage was. It didn't get seven. So, and this was 2017. Yeah. Uh, just a, way just back. Two, yeah, like two Way a, back. Like, we're talking 30 whole months ago. Yeah, we're talking one a more movie ago. Someone hit delete <laughs> on the wrong, yeah, one a more, one, one more movie ago. Someone hit delete on the wrong full folder and data was lost. They got hacked and they lost some stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all the reviews will be uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so, you'll see that. Um, so, in terms of uniqueness of the film... How is it unique? What it, talk about uniquenesses and challenges of the film? So I think as as a nomination, yeah, uh, as a or, nomination or as a, as a kicker, especially even in twenty seventeen, I think this was a unique film in that first of all they had no documentaries, and although this wasn't explicitly a documentary, it 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 it, it uh, yeah, edges a, into it a faux documentary. Yeah, but because even, because of the film style, yeah. of where the camera is following, following him around, around from behind. as if he has a a, a video crew following yeah. him around yeah, day yeah. after day, uh, and but also because it shows. All the sides, the flip sides. What is it like in the morning? What is it like when he preps? What's it like when he works out? What's it like when he yeah. leaves the ring? Those kind of elements. I think that was uh, that was uh, unique. Another unique element of this, uh, amongst a lot, amongst most movies, I think, is all of the parallels in the story. There were so many simultaneous parallels. The obvious one is is the wrestler who's the ring performer and the stripper who's the the sex performer. Uh, and and how the way they look and act when they're on stage is nothing like yeah. what they how they act and appear in real life. And I would I would throw in like as far as a uniqueness of this film is that I would have to go back through all the other nominations and stuff out there. But this is really an in depth character study that really keeps its eye on one character, yep. really in-depth, almost on this documentary style. Um, and because of that, it's like it just stylistically is different Yeah, yeah uh, than other stuff that we've seen. You know, what we're, when we're watching this movie, we're seeing a lot of the scenes from not, not inside Randy's head, we're outside, we're following him or whatever, but the perspective that we see is from his head. One good example of that is his very first day working at the deli counter. He he's in the bathroom and he's getting ready and he's he's like putting on the hairnet and and he's mentally getting ready and then he starts going and the camera follows him as he walks down yeah. the stairs. And, and down while the I'm hall. watching that, I was like, this is a parallel to him walking, him walking out. out. Yeah. And you even as hear, a wrestler, you hear in his and head the yeah. And the music playing, like he's going to walk out. And they parallel it all the way to the point where he, he bangs open the door out to the public area behind the deli. And then, of course, it's just no no sounds, no nothing. Just the normal sounds in a grocery store yeah. or a deli. Somebody, yeah. like somebody, almost somebody almost music yep. coming in. And so that was one. Another one that I thought was kind of interesting, we talk about parallels. And this is one that I didn't get it until Marissa Torme's character said it. But... He was talking about he was talking about how what it's like to be a professional wrestler, and she's listening to him. And for a moment, she stops being the stripper and she starts being someone who's interested listening to a, a story. Instead of being Candace or whatever she yeah. was, she was all of a sudden she was Pam, and she says or Pas Cassidy and Pam That's Cassidy, right. and she says Passion of the Christ, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And she <laughs> says, "You 
are just like Passion of the Christ. You have the same hair. And I thought, oh, well, that's no, deep. The way she started this, it, like, and I was loving it, <laughs> where like, she started deep. with, like, she was just started spouting, like, for his transgressions, he, mm. we were pierced. Like, he yes. bore the suffering of yes. all. It was yes. laid upon him. And then, like, I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, she's going to do a biblical allegory. And then she was like, Wait, you didn't see that movie? <laughs> yeah. And it was like... Oh, Wait, you didn't see Passion of the Christ? I, I thought she was going to go deep to like the scripture nope. Refer- nope. reference. She but went it was to the like, movie. She went She's to the like, movie. Yeah, like, they beat the hell out of him. They, yeah. oh, there's your there's your PG-13. They beat him up. They hit him with rocks and sticks and, yeah. like, stones. And, and they stabbed and him. And, and then he bled for them. And, you know, it's just like you. And he's, you, uh, he's like, oh, he sounds like a tough dude. Yeah, and she goes, <laughs> yeah, he's the sacrificial ram. Wait, you're the sacrificial rib. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. Well, you did beat that one to death. You and did. I got it when you started talking about Passion of the Christ, but I didn't get it before you said the words. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go ahead and just do a breakdown by categories All here. Right. Um, acting. Uh, if if I was going to do like a out of five on each of these categories, I would say that acting on this was a four and a half. There were characters I didn't believe the store manager and some of the people were just like some of the side like Mickey Mark is a five out of five Marissa five five out of five I liked his daughter like the store store the store guy Wayne was was kind of like whatever he was a yeah he was like you should act like a but you'd say four four and a half I'd say four and a half I I would say like this main characters five other people less a little bit less okay Uh, directing. I think the directing, the the editing and choices, I think were exactly what it needed. They were spot on. Even the flash, like even the flashback to where they they ended, like they started the wrestling scene where he was talking about a guy to, to the other wrestler who said, "How do you feel about staple guns?" Staple guns. And he's like, "Does it hurt?" He's like, "Yeah, you'll lose a little blood." They go to the end of the match. He's covered in blood. Right. And they and jump then, back into. Then the they match. jump back into the match, which is. Not just a staple gun, but it's razor blades and glass and... Yeah, razor wire. Razor wire. And they're covered in blood, right? So anyway, you... We're talking about directing. You appreciate the directing choice of I doing do. the flashback I really right do. There. I do. I, and there were more than one flashback in the movie, but that particular one was a good one. Was there anything else about the directing that you appreciated in this movie? So, you know, I, I think there was probably a challenge. And from what I've read, there was a big challenge in actually working with Mickey Rourke. Uh, you know, the original finan- finances for this movie fell through when they found out that it was Mickey Rourke that was going to be the, the lead. People wanted it to be uh, Nicolas Cage. or They wanted it. They, they briefly considered Stallone. Uh, but the point is, he, the director specifically said no. Mickey Rourke, I want it to be Mickey Rourke, it needs to be Mickey Rourke. Working with Mickey Rourke is challenging. Yeah, yeah. And I think that he not only directed Rourke very well, but he allowed him to kind of be the person that he needed to be for this role. And so that was a challenge that the director took on and did well. And they they worked with that in the meat, uh, the deli counter scene where... He, Mickey Rourke was actually working the deli counter and people would come up and he would take care of their order and then like they just didn't stop filming. Yeah, so uh, he was he was doing the, he was doing his scenes and they were in between shots and Mickey was standing there and all of a sudden somebody walked up and ordered a thing and the director told him, yeah, fulfill their orders. And so they did a, several of them. So I don't know how many of those I don't know how many of those uh, 
got into the film or not, or if it just kind of kept him in character. But again, that's one of those those challenges that he was working his way through. A lot of the wrestlers in the behind-the-scenes stuff are actual wrestlers, and they filmed the, all the wrestling match scenes uh, at a at a two day back to back event mega event. Well, they filmed the whole movie in thirty five days. Thirty five days, which is not yeah. even why their budget was as small as it was. But um, but they but they filmed the wrestling stuff you know, across two days, and there were a lot of actual wrestlers who wanted to be much bigger characters in this movie than what the director originally yeah. had, had thought about. And so again, a challenge for him was kind of bringing everybody on to the reservation of what he wanted. Yeah. So like I would say in far as far as directing one of the choices made in the film also was how the film ended. In very similar to to a more <laughs> mm. where it kind of like uh, and I haven't watched the Sopranos but I know it kind of fades to black after the main character mm-hmm. is no longer in play. Yep. That the same thing happens here where right. they're laying it out all the parallel structures are bringing coming to an end. You know he's struggling with his heart issue. He had his heart attack and and, and his bypass and he's whatever. In the big and fight, he's it, gonna die. It we looks all know like he's gonna. Die. He jumps off the top rope like as he's every every move he's his doing is, is, is hurting and hurting and hurting. He's gonna do his signature move. Does his Randy the Ram Ram jam, and then in the air they stop. They stop. Which then he they confirm later on after the film. Yeah, he died. Yeah, at an awards ceremony, someone asked the director what happened, and he says, "Yeah, Randy dies." And I was cool with that decision too. You know, I assumed Randy dies because and I think you're supposed to assume Randy dies. I mean, there was the, no sequel to this. No, movie. they were they were filming it like a like a like a documentary, following him around, and when he's no longer present, it's the story's film, over. Yeah, story's over. Yeah, um, he went out at the end. Being who he felt like he truly was as his most authentic self, yeah. which is Randy the Ram, not the deli counter guy, not a dad, and he didn't want not be, a boyfriend, not anything else, nothing. But Randy else. the Ram. He didn't Randy want to be Robin, no. which was his real name. He would argue. People referred to him as Robin. His his name tag at the deli said Robin. That's because his boss was a wiener, but uh, <laughs> uh, it would and, and claimed that it was an accident. But anyway, he didn't want to be Robin. He wanted to be Randy the Ram. Cinematography. How'd you feel about this? So, a lot of this movie felt like a documentary. So, the cinematography, the choices they made, they were making choices, in my, from my humble opinion, they were making choices to make it feel like a documentary. Uh, with the exception of the cinematography of the strip club and the cinematography of the wrestling ring. Because yes. those things were very stylized. Yes. As everything else had this documentary feel, and then... The wrestling and the stripping had this kind of like... POV. Yeah, point of view, yep. external feel. Yep. Uh, where you were watching the show. Yep. Um, I liked it. I did too. Like, And I, I think the strip club was as seedy and dark as it needed to be. And you're like, oh, this is a dark experience. The locations were cool. The The grocery store slash deli where he worked I think the, de- the grocery cool. store was probably... One of the strokes of brilliance of it in, ter- so in for the movie normal. because it was so normal. It was a it was a vanilla box Con- that had a grocery store sign on the front of it. Yeah, every- it, it it might have actually had it didn't, but it may as well have had a white sign with black plain block letters that said grocery. Yeah. I mean it was that generic. Yeah. Now that said, the grocery store 
was more complex than any grocery store that yeah, I've the, ever been they had into. A backstage and multiple <laughs> levels. The loading dock <laughs> had three <laughs> floors. It was amazing. You get lost in that yeah, thing. But that yeah. was all part of the, you know, how are they going to make him walk out yeah. and all that. But also, there was a little store in the middle where, uh, where, uh, the, the vintage shop. Him. Yeah, the vintage shop. They said we're going to meet at the vintage shop in the very next scene. He was standing outside the grocery store, and I thought that's odd. And then, it, and then it clicked. No, no, he's going in to get some weekend work. But then they went to the vintage shop, and it was a cool little box. Uh, those of you that are familiar with West Lafayette, there's the uh, the uh, the used clothing, amused amused clothing here in West Lafayette. It's a little dive downstairs with a bunch of used vintage clothes. And this vintage shop they were in reminded me of. Yeah. That. Now, uh, so almost. Like because it focuses so heavily on Mickey Rourke and Marissa Tomei, mm. that the daughter storyline is also important and has its own cinematography and directing attached to it. It does, and uh, it's done differently. There's a there's a couple of cool scenes with her. Uh, one specific one, they went out to the boardwalk and these kind of old maybe maybe abandoned buildings that were certainly shut break down for into the an abandoned ballroom. Ballroom, and they have a little dance, and then you know, yeah. I but, would say but like, that story has a beginning, middle, and end. Like at the beginning, you realize he's estranged from his daughter because of his own choices. In the middle, they're kind of getting reconnected, and then in the end of that little own little separate little story arc, she's yeah. like, "Yep, never again. I don't want to see you." And, and you could see that from a mile, a mile away. away. He he wasn't changing. <laughs> yeah. So as far as that, like, I would say in that little story, just like the slap in. Yeah. Amor, yeah. that the little dance that they had where she like grabbed it his hand, touching. that was touching. Yeah, it was good. It was a they little had a touching moment, moment. That they'd never had before, at least not in her memory. And I knew he was going to mess it up, and then he ends up like having sex with the, the do you want a party gal some who little likes barfly. fireman. Yeah, which... some little barfly that had him, yeah, who knows what. Yeah. They did it in the bathroom, then he woke up the next morning in her bedroom, and her bedroom is full of fireman And he's got fireman boots on. He has on. fireman boots on, and... He yeah. went home and he was like, yeah, that was amazing. And went then, to sleep and then realized he'd screwed up. Yeah. Uh, score, which was mostly 80s music. Mostly 80s. Not all, f- but almost all 80s music. I have a feeling, like, just when I was watching this, I was like, Mr. Miggity Mac is going to love the score of this movie. The, the, I love 80s music. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why 80s movies and movies about that era, you know, kind of talk to me but but round uh, and round the way, by rats and they were even guns and roses a lot of gnr and a lot of good stuff but uh one thing about them about the uh the music is he had a walkout uh he had a walkout song an entrance song which is sweet child of mine uh, that's right also gnr and it turns out that's the same entrance song that mickey rourke himself used when he was a boxer when he actually was a boxer that he he, they had they used his own walkout song, and because the budget was so limited for the film that Guns N' Roses gave him donated the rights, the rights to, very specifically to that song. they donated the rights to the song for his walkout, which is pretty cool. So uh, you know something else uh, talking about yeah. talking about the budget being what it was. Uh, Mickey Rourke's pay for this movie was a hundred thousand, and he specifically requested that a, a significant portion of that be paid to him uh, as cash in a brown paper sack. Yeah, very <laughs> much like the bag of cash that he got. Uh, when he was leaving the hospital, we were like, uh, "Here's yeah. from your promoter," Here's and he from opened your promoter. up. Here's... It was like a stack of twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The screenplay. Well, we've talked a lot about the story, and we've talked a lot about how the story works. And I think you know we're we're back here to screenplay. But here's the thing: screenplay out of five, I'd give it a three and a half. This is the one element in the screenplay. I'll tell you why. One element about this movie that I don't think measures up. 
and it's because I felt like they spent too much time telling us and retelling us and retelling us and retelling us who Randy the Ram was. I got it. And but they kept coming back and showing it again and showing it again and showing it from another perspective. He's behind on his rent, so he was locked out of his trailer. Got it. He leaned out of his door and called a neighborhood kid to come in and play video games with him. Yeah, he's a grown child. Got it. So got it. For for me, and I would say the screenplay uh this was the one area in the film. That I would give lower, maybe not a three and a half, but I'd give it like a four. We agree that it's the it, lo- it's the, the lower, lower area. And for me, the reason that I give it lower is largely because of the lines that they give Marissa Tomei, Cassidy, okay. where because because of how like you already mentioned some of this is how much she is telegraphing yeah the 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 plot points of, of things and like yeah. just laying it on so thick there's no like as opposed to the last film that we watched we were talking about with Henneke and the like lack of cues and moral ambiguity and that sort of stuff yeah. with that with this film like at the end where she was like you can't go out there you know cuz of your heart well, and and know, I was like, oh, shut up. She, Everyone knows he's got a heart thing. Was, well, you don't have to say that. Right? She was like, she, she could have just said, you can't go out there. You can't go out there. You might die. I mean, that at least would have been, you yeah. know, you're risking your life. At least then she's saying why. But here's the deal. Here's the thing. She, she would say these absolute truths. I do not date my clients. And then date her client. I do not... Yeah. And then she did it anyway. And they end up like necking in a bar. Yeah. And then she pulls away. Nope, can't do it. A day later, she's like, no, I'm I'm here. I'm ready to do it. I, no, I got to keep my life separate for, for my child. And then, nope, going to reconnect my life. I'm yeah. a mother. She hardly ever spent any time with her kid. Yeah. All the time her kid was home from school, she was at a club strip. Yeah. She had a sitter that did all that. So I liked how uh, she acted, they, I, but I, but I, I but I, I liked less the lines that she was given. That's why I'm talking about the screenplay. I don't. And, I didn't and, feel like, and, and I feel that. like that was probably the low, the the of the things that that was probably the darkest smudge. We've talked about movies that like they have a list of check boxes, and as long as they check off all the boxes, they're good. Yeah. Right. In this movie, all the check boxes included him throwing. Every good possible thing in his life out the window. Yeah, and and, and he, he did, and and he every did every single thing. And you saw it, you saw it from a mile away too. Yeah, that's um, what was going to happen. So I I have a question that was a, a write-in question from one of our viewers. Okay, uh, that his name is Brad sixty nine sixty nine. Oh, I think that you know what I think we also know him as Incredibrad sixty nine. Incredibrad sixty nine. He writes in occasionally. He, he wanted me to ask you specifically, mm-hmm. Mr. Biggity Mac, mm-hmm. would you let your child play Nintendo in his trailer? In Brad's trailer? With Randy the Ram. Well, yes. I, I If my child like, was at Randy... And actually, it's a plot point I didn't mention earlier, but here's the thing. People in that lived in that area knew who Randy the Ram was. Yeah. And they, they, knew, they knew that he was not... Somebody who was a danger to their children. So I think that those parents were all cool with him. Everybody knew him. Everybody was cool with him. Yeah. They knew that he wasn't a person. This presupposes that you're living in the trailer park with well, he, Randy yeah, the yes, Ram. Yeah. And I suppose if I was in the trailer park as well, mm. that I would. 
if sure. I was just who I am right now, and, and my kid said, hey, I want to go to a random trailer park and, and hang out with Randy the Ram yeah, and, and play, play video Nintendo, games. and I would be like, which game? Is it Blades of Steel? They're like, no, it's this ra- it's it's a wrestling, this wrestling knockoff. Which, I'm like, which way, one? Is it WrestleMania? They're like, no. No, no it's, it's a custom it's one. It's a custom one for this that uses the Pac-Man sounds This video stag. game. No, I would be like, no. No joke. No, child. No sweet, no child of mine is going going to do that i think i can hear brad 6969 laughing in the background oh, was that right choking now. i thought it was a choking is it sound a choke? that's what i heard yeah so a here's chortle. the thing that video game that video game little bit of trivia that video game was a real video game that was written for the movie that was fully functional based on wwe uh wrestling but uh it was fully playable it had randy the ram it, it only did. had two characters ayatollah randy the ram and the ayatollah that would fight by the way, only one character could win, and all of the sound effects, in fact, were from Pac-Man. Yes. And also, a fun fact on that is that the government of Iran uh, asked for a formal apology for how they were being uh, shown in the film as the Ayatollah. Yeah, that waving of the flag. And yeah. Like a so, it, were there any special effects of note that you would uh, you mention? Know, the this? things of special effects that would have been in there are actually real. Uh, there's a scene where he uh, he hides a partial razor blade in the tape on his hand, so that one time after he gets uh, fake yeah, smashed he, into the buckle, he, as they he call cuts juices. His, yeah, he he actually cuts his own forehead, juices himself up. The scene with the guy that you mentioned with the stapler, yeah, the razor blades. There was a table full of thumbtacks that he ends up with like ten of them in his back. All of that. All those things when you see his body all cut up with the staples and the, the those were actually all in his body, not yeah. a special effect. Those were not those were not a uh, uh, um, a prosthesis on his yeah. back. He actually did that stuff. So one of the things that I read about when I was watching the when I was looking up on this he movie, he did have a stunt double, by the way. Oh, he did. Not that you could have noticed. No, when it was I, I wouldn't have noticed at all. The uh, is that one thing? Uh, so one. They asked Hulk Hogan to play, and he said, no, this would be better for somebody else. They also asked Nicolas Cage. Hulk Hogan said he was asked to play. The director said, uh, no. No, Somebody may have asked Hulk Hogan, but it wasn't the director. But Nick Cage Cage was one of them. And and, uh, the director put his foot down and said, nope, it is Mickey Rourke. So, uh, but but here's the thing that I was reading about that was that that you know it's kind of heartbreaking and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is this world of wrestling. You kill your body and you you give yourself to it. It's about showmanship, but then you sacrifice your personal life and all of that. Yeah. Um, that they watched a screening and Rowdy 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 Piper cried. Watched this and he cried yeah. and 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 gave uh, gave Mickey Rourke a hug. Yeah. Um, that it was portrayed and, exactly, and he the just way like was this was so real, okay. and you could get that like where somebody who is in this world who was like, yeah, no, I just effed up my whole life, yeah, like, and this is the line that the daughter says, and I'll drop the f bomb because we got an f, we got a PG thirteen right here, okay, where she says, you're a fuck up, <laughs> you're a world class fuck up, I yeah. Believe. That's two. two. No, you can't. Oh, oh we got an R rating. Back. Oh man. Got it. No, but but she was just speaking the truth. She and was. and and I think that in that moment that you have this realness of yeah. like who am I if I'm not the character that I'm playing? Yeah. But then like he was sitting around in the VFW hall noticing all the guys in sitting in wheelchairs, broken legs. With, some with no legs. Some with no legs. There was legs. at least one guy yeah. with only with one prosthetic leg. Yeah. 
There was one guy that had fallen asleep on the. It was a, in the VFW hall. It was a. It was a. Uh, a uh, autograph session, and the guy who ran it said, "Yeah, we're gonna have a pretty good turnout today. There might have been twenty people there." Um, any, any other fun facts? A couple you quick say things. On this? Awards. Both Mickey Rourke and Marissa Torme won Oscars for this movie. Yep. Uh, there were actually uh, several no- other nominations they didn't get, but they won fifty-eight total awards for this movie including two Golden Globes and a BAFTA, which until right now, for some reason, I'd never looked up what that was, just that I knew that it was a big name. That's the British uh, Film and uh, Academy uh, Television Awards. Yeah, right there. Excellent. I didn't know that. BAFTA. BAFTA. BAFTA is the British Awards. BAFTA. It I is like saying that name. BAFTA. It's BAFTA. fun to say. It sounds like something from Star Wars. BAFTA. My BAFTA will freeze by the second marker. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Oh, hello. Hello, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> we have your BAFTA. We have your BAFTA, sir. <laughs> I have a BAFTA. <laughs> no, anyway, so so uh, ov- so overall, uh, when when you're chatting about this movie, and yeah. and I would say that of the two, Amor and the Wrestler, I like the Wrestler more. I I did enjoy watching the Wrestler, and uh, I actually watched it twice. Did you? I did. I watched it once. I went back and. Um, did something else for a while, and then I was going to just skip forward to a part to kind of rewatch it and make sure my memory of it was what it really happened, and I ended up just watching the whole thing again. Yeah. Yeah, I was wrapping Christmas presents. Yeah, and and again, I really thought that that moment with the daughter was touching, but at the same time, it was like, this is not going to end well. Earlier, I was talking about checking off all the boxes, right? Yeah. And he just reminded me, he uh, went through, checked off all the boxes to eliminate every single thing in his life. He screwed them all up. They were all gone. He had the grocery store. He jammed his finger in there. He jammed his finger up. He screwed it up. Then then he screwed it up. Screwed up the store. Screwed up his daughter's relationship. And he thought he had finished up the relationship with Marissa Torme. She showed up at the last minute. And he turns his back on her and walks out and does the thing anyway. And when he turns around, she's no longer waiting for him backstage, as far as he could tell. And so he's like, I'm free. I mean, my mind, what I saw was him saying, I'm free. And then yeah, doing the thing. And I'm never going to get better, and I'm never going to be more than this. And I'm never going back. And if I'm going to live on, I'm going to live on in infamy as the guy who died in the ring, yeah. beating the Ayatollah, yeah. uh, making up for the, the loss in 1989 way back when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the question. Did the council make a mistake? I think they did. I think if you were to take all of our scores that we just talked about today... Uh, screenplay being the one weak moment, I think overall it does better than four and a half out of five, and uh, I think it should be in Pantheon. Yeah, and and, and it's and, a weird little movie to make Pantheon, but there you go. And I I would agree with you. Like like I wouldn't have said before I started it, I wouldn't have said that it was Pantheon, but after watching right. it, I I say I I can't not say that it's Pantheon. You know, like right. like if I just go down the list and I say. How did I like it? Is it a movie that I want to watch a lot of times? I'm not sure. Uh, for me personally, because remember, it's, this, it's, is, this is best of its genre. Yeah. What other movie is in this specific genre? Yeah. This genre. So as far as that goes, that this is the best version of a faux documentary character study. Sure. Uh, that's out there. Uh, oh, agree. Uh, or like it is. It is a. It is an exemplar. So you could you could compare this to Rocky. Is yeah. Do this. Rocky compare is great. it to Rocky. Rocky's a great movie. 
I would say more than half of the way I feel about Rocky is going to be because of uh, of good good internal feelings from my childhood and so on. But if you look at the two movies side by side, uh, and you start going through uh, casting, directing, editing, cinematography, yeah. they're going to get very similar marks. So is this on the level of Rocky? I would say yes, yeah. but for a specific reason. Yeah, no, and I totally agree with you as well, is that I think that this movie should have been Pantheon as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, so so there we have it. Amor, we both agree with the council that they say no. no. And with the wrestler, we both we both agree against the council and say that it yes. should have been in. Yes. So, um, all right. A couple of final thoughts here. Uh, just this is a note, just a personal note sure. about me, Doctor Diamond Doug. Doctor Diamond Doug, Triple D. Uh, that I uh, so for this year that Brad sixty nine sixty nine or no wait no no that's no, no, a, mean, no that's mean, unrelated to McBoom. the commenter that yeah Brad McBoom Brad, Brad Hawkins Brad Hawkins uh, that that um, the council has asked that I would be a floater huh. guesser uh, a floater council member this Lucky year you. so that if uh, one of the guest voters drops out for whatever reason that I will step in as a guest voter. That's I'm interesting. Cause also guest voting with time. Kyle yes. Brown. And I'm guest voting with... Uh, Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith. I, Brian, lucky. Yeah, Ryan Smith. Super uh, lucky. You are also very lucky as Kyle Brown uh, and Both I... Both attractive as you, as you men. Know, Both very uh, attractive. Are, are appreciating smart, each other from afar. Smart. Yeah. I've never sat more than four feet, closer than four yeah. feet away from him. But... The God kind of men like that, that women guy. want to be with and men want to be. Want to be. That's right. But here's the other thing. Uh, Brad has asked you to be a floater. Brad has asked me something very similar. What's that? That if uh, if his uh, if his uh, uh, wife uh, is no longer able. Oh, hold hold on. Hold wait. on. We have a visitor. Oh my freaking goodness! Is, this is amazing. Wait, hold on. Is this one Seth or cousin Wayne? Because they're both so thin. I can't oh tell the my. difference anymore. This is Seth Fisher. Seth Fisher. The man, the myth, the legend. Good to see you, brother. All right. We're just yeah. wrapping things we up. We are wrapping things up. Anyway, he's asked me to step in for any of his individual family members if they can't fulfill their uh, their family uh, oh, issues. Yeah. So I might be in here washing dishes or running the vacuum cleaner or walking the dog. type stuff. Yeah, prima not Yeah, whatever yeah. he needs me to do. But that's just for this year. I, 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 I committed to it for 2020. No, that's excellent. So uh, it just... Uh, because this is exciting that Seth Fisher has joined us at the yeah. very end. The reason he's here is because uh, after this, Brad Hawkins, McBoom, Brad sixty nine sixty nine. I do believe that they're the same character. Ah, I don't know about that. Is that uh, that that uh, that they're going to be recording an episode on the Mandalorian? So if you are of interest, uh, if you're the kind of person who's interested in. Amor and the wrestler, but also the Mandalorian. Well, you should check into that. Then one. you definitely should check out this next video. I, did they not right there? They, so they're they're going to talk about the next episode. Oh, uh, number seven. Yeah. Uh, who? So Seth Fisher, who is your guest? Uh, who are you guest voting for with uh, this year? Rachel. Rachel. Rachel, Rachel Plantinga. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Rachel Plantinga. Oh, That'll fun. be an art house film. Maybe. We'll see. You never uh, know. It'll be wonderful. Maybe it'll be Ninja Turtles. It Maybe. might be. Well, you never wow, know. This Could is be. exciting. Yeah. Wait, which which Ninja Turtles? Turtles 1. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. That's, there, that's not there's a couple. Board. Yeah. All right. Any last final thoughts on Amor and the Wrestler that you, you want to 
chime in on at the very end. So look, I know people like it more, but damn, I I could not. I I can't watch it again. And yeah. I understand what the director was trying to do, but that's just not my cup of tea. And I understand why Brad likes it so much. I you too, as well I as totally the commenter get... unrelated to him, Brad sixty nine sixty nine. Here's the thing: I, yeah. as we said, uh, Brad's connected to it for a lot of personal reasons. I'm connected to a sad movie dealing with some of the same issues for many, many personal reasons. So I get why Brad's connected to it. I also get the sting that Brad feels when others are like. Can't watch it or don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Because if someone said that about the movie that I really like, it would sting. Yeah, no, I get so it. So I get it, and I'm sensitive to it, but yet, no. The Wrestler, uh, on the other hand, wow. I mean, it seems like that should have made it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I guess I don't uh, totally understand the reasons why people said no. But yeah. uh, maybe if we hadn't lost all the data. <clears throat> yeah. Then I can read those reviews. As it well. has been a whirlwind conversation where we have connected the movie, the French foreign language film, winner of the Palme d'Or can uh, from Cannes Film Festival, Amour, with Up, and also connecting the wrestler with Rocky tonight. It has been a yeah, wild a conversation. No, not so much. Uh, but I would like to say this uh, as we are on our way out. As always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation, even with our very extended outro tonight. Yeah. Uh, uh, where can Videoland find you, my friend? On the Facebooks. Yep. You know me. I'll be there. And you can find me on the Facebooks as well. And you can find us, Adventures in Videoland, in Instagram, Adventures in Videoland, on the adventuresinvideoland.com site, where you can read about all the other pants on stuff uh, and find more about the rules if you're interested but the the conversation always begins and ends on facebook you have been listening to criticism in its finest hour until next time video landers Slam em, brother! <laughs> no, I, I was going to use a quote from a more would you like ham with that <laughs> No. Uh, how about probably... how about this? How about what? this? How Wait. about we end with this? Okay. We, we love, love you. you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>